be 2024 from Conversations Different. We are starting this new year with a focus on health and nutrition, not resolutions, a way to live your best life. And with us to help us is Dr. Melissa Gomez, a UNM-trained physician and farmer. Welcome, Dr. Gomez. Thank you so much for having me, Ines. I want to talk about how I first heard about you. So I went to the Chamber of Commerce Women in Leadership Luncheon, and you were part of a panel. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I heard you speak, I thought, man, I've got to get her to come to Conversations Different. And the new year seemed like a great time because it's when we all are trying to be healthier, eat better, all of those things. And what I heard from you is that we need to thrive. Mm -hmm. That's the name of your practice yes. in all parts of our life. Tell us how, from Western medicine's perspective, where they prescribe pills and gives us shots, how are you doing it differently? So I still practice a form of Western medicine, so I do still use prescriptions and, you know, make you know use of all the information that I learned in medical school. But in medical school, I had an existential dilemma where I thought, I think I need to do it a slightly different way where I need to intervene with more diet, lifestyle, sleep, stress management interventions because... As much as medications can really help, they don't really get to the underlying root cause of why somebody's blood pressure may be higher or why their blood sugars might be higher or many other kind of metabolic diseases. And so I almost dropped out of medical school, but I had too many student loans, so I stuck it out. And, you know, after the fact, when I was practicing medicine already, I started doing like evening and weekend uh, classes and teaching myself a lot more about how do you intervene on a more holistic level to help patients and generally humans live a healthier life. I mean, even including like your social and spiritual, you know, health, all of those things really matter. Um, I listened to a podcast recently where the doctor was saying that people who never eat candy have a slightly shorter lifestyle than people who eat candy every once in a while. So right. listening to our hearts and really like, you know, playing into And our looking for little moments of pleasure in enjoyment, life. Enjoyment, yes, yeah. is also an important part of your health and wellness. So I try to approach it from that standpoint of, you know, what's the root cause of what's going on and how can we address that in a more holistic way so that we actually bring you back to healthy baseline. I love that. I love that. I Something you said when we were talking before we went on uh, to tape the, the program is how much nutrition information you got in medical school. <laughs> yeah. I think this is going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah. So in terms of, I mean, they taught us basics like what protein is, what fats are, what carbohydrates are. But in terms of how do you take that information and utilize it to teach people how to create a food relationship that's healthy, we, we got one line. So the one line was, if you have a patient with high blood pressure, high cholesterol, or diabetes, try diet and exercise first. Period. And what diet and exercise would that be? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I mean, you pick it. So that was the hard part is because there are many different choices out there and nothing was really gone into in any sort of depth so that we could decide, well, if you have, you know, this condition, then maybe these type of dietary changes would help or that condition. And so it really was a big, you know, black hole of information that I felt like you kind of just went on and looked at what did Oprah say or what did Dr. Oz say or what did, you know, the latest and greatest, you know, kind of... Um, public knowledge say about this as opposed to what we were giving um, in medical school with regards to like scientific information. That makes sense. And you went and did it yourself. You took yes. nutrition and you also took um, exercise classes. And so you yeah. are like a personal trainer without 
I don't know if you got the certification or not, but no. You so know. I really what I did was I looked up research. So you you actually spend a lot of time in different you know like I looked a lot at like bodybuilding research mm-hmm. and again the like nutrition and dietary literature because it was kind of out of the purview. You don't get a lot of that in like the New England Journal of Medicine or other types of you know more medically based uh, journals. And I also have I guess somebody that I would consider a mentor. His name is Dr. Peter Atia. I've never met him personally, but he, uh, he's he been blogging and posting about the same kind of lifestyle medicine for years. And he has a podcast now called The Drive. And so I listen to a lot of that. And then the guests he brings on, I'll go, go after the fact and research what they've done, their research papers, and how they've come to the understanding and knowledge that they have, and build that into my practice. So part of it is rather than get me let's say at 65 after I've eaten a bag of chips every day and with my, you know, gulp, big gulp size soda, um, and I've got high blood pressure, diabetes, and all of those conditions, you want to get me maybe at 50 where you can say, maybe if you don't have chips every day, you have a better life. What do we do? It's the first of the year. If we want to look for that better life, what are some suggestions you have for people who want to change? I think there's kind of three really simple ideas that people can try to incorporate and, you know, try to get a little bit more in depth over time with those ideas. But I think daily movement that's outside of what you already normally do. So I do have patients to say, well, I have a really active job. I walk up and down the hospital hallways all day or I work, you know, outdoors on my feet. That doesn't seem to convey the same health and wellness as a separate dedicated exercise time. And maybe that's stress-related We can't quite say exactly why that is, but it seems like we really need to take a few minutes every day to have a dedicated time to move our bodies. And a lot of us have sedentary jobs. And so I think if we even just said, if you're starting from nothing, adding 10 minutes of a walk around your building or down your hallway in your office can make a tremendous difference. I think the second thing we could look at is how much processed food we're eating. When I talk to patients, a simple rule of thumb that I say is, look at the back of the package and see how many ingredients are listed. I kind of think that above three different ingredients in the product and consider maybe putting that back on the shelf and looking for something that's more simple and straightforward. So I actually prefer a corn tortilla much more than most breads on the shelf. Most breads have probably 15 to 20 plus ingredients where a corn tortilla has, I think, like three, maybe four ingredients. So it's kind of how you think through those processed food ideas. There are so many things that claim to be healthy. And they're really not very healthy. They're for us. lying to us. <laughs> yes, they <laughs> I are. I always feel so disappointed. Mm-hmm. And the food companies spend millions of dollars yeah. to convince us that it's healthy with no actual evidence that there's health in those foods. Yeah. And then the other thing would be sleep. Sleep is so critical and so many people undersleeping. It's re- it's estimated that most Americans are undersleeping. Getting about six hours or less a night can be devastating to your metabolism devastating to your mood, devastating to your health and wellness. So I really try to encourage patients to try to be in bed eight hours a night so you can try to get at least seven hours of sleep because most of us are not asleep the whole time that we're in bed. You think four hours with (laughs) with an interruption in the middle isn't enough? I've been waking up and I look in the mirror and I'm like, I look like I've been drunk for three days. And... uh, I haven't been able to sleep, but I tried something, a tincture that seems to be working, and I'm, I'm very happy right now because I got eight hours of sleep last night for the first time probably in six years, seven years. And another epidemic in the United States that concerns me very much is dementia, mm-hmm. forgetfulness as we get older. It is not a foregone conclusion, 
And sleep is probably the number one reason. Lack of good sleep is the number one reason why that's happening so frequently in the United States. So talk to your doctor about your sleep. Ask for help. Make sure you're getting at least eight hours in bed so you can get seven hours, seven to nine hours of sleep is the recommended time. Okay. And on that, we'll take a break and we'll be back to give you some more ideas for a healthy and happy new year. This holiday season, let's make a difference together. Make a donation to the Santa Fe, New Mexicans Empty Stocking Fund, supporting those in need in northern New Mexico. Your generosity helps with life essentials like rent, utilities, food, and car repairs. Visit sfnm.co slash esfund to contribute. Every donation helps, bringing warmth and relief to families facing challenges. Let's spread kindness and make this season brighter for everyone. Visit sfnm.co slash esfund and make a difference today. Hello 2024. We are back with Dr. Melissa Gomez, who is a UNM trained physician and also practicing a more holistic kind of medicine. This isn't Santa Fe woo-woo necessarily. (laughs) This is more about how we eat, sleep, and move to have better lives. So in the last segment, you told us that the three things are movement, sleeping, eating well. And I love what you said about reading the back of packages, because I remember in one of my many attempts to be a healthier eater, I was looking at a package and it had 15 ingredients. And I thought, wow, this rice bowl just says rice. <laughs> and maybe if I just ate banana, rice, life would you know, be simpler. And it kind of gets you away from all the worrying about carbs, proteins, blah, blah, blah. You just go for one ingredient, two ingredients and stop. Yep. And does that really work? I would say that... For general health and wellness, it really works amazingly well. I think that if patients are trying to achieve some other more difficult goals like curing their diabetes or, or let's just say getting their diabetes back to normal blood sugar levels or you know overcoming maybe some mental health things like depression and anxiety, sometimes we need to be a little bit more um, specific about how to go about that. In order to lose weight, you do need to create a slight calorie deficit. I don't believe in fast weight loss. I like to help patients with weight changes that are slow and steady. Because I see that when patients lose weight too quickly, they gain it back very quickly, mostly because they lose so much muscle mass during that weight yes. loss time. Um, but for most people, if they if we really just went back to how our grandparents and our great-grandparents ate, and then again added that more physical activity, we would probably be very lean and have very few metabolic problems that we would have to worry about on a day-in and day-out basis. Yes. Now, my mom uh, became a waitress when she was 13. She grew up in Las Vegas, New Mexico. That's where we're from. And she remembers coming home from the cafe thinking that the people there were all going to die soon because she told her great-grandmother or her grandmother, my great-grandmother, who she lived with, they all eat meat. And grandma's like, well, we eat meat. Mm -hmm. She goes, no, we chop it up. It's in a stew or it's like a little bit of something. They have these big steaks Mm -hmm. that go over the plate. And she just couldn't believe anybody ate like that. And she really thought, you know, because it was an Anglo-Hispano thing, she thought Anglos were very strange. She's like, (laughs) why do they eat like that? And then now we all eat like that. Yeah. You know. Our portion sizes have grown much bigger over the years. And we've all gotten accustomed to those large sizes. And so we do tend to overconsume calories. And then again, if we are not physically active and in a very aggressive way, 
you know, it just has to go somewhere and it doesn't, you know, disappear. So it's, it stores on our body for later. And then, you know, again, if we're not having regular famine, the later really never comes to pull that extra energy that we stored out. That's right. So. I'm ready for when we don't have food. <laughs> See, I have a few extra pounds that'll just like come off. Yeah. Yeah. So. But part of the problem is there's such an emphasis in the United States on how we look and mm. And it kind of gets you depressed because you're not like that person in the magazine or on television. And it seems like health needs to focus more on how we feel almost. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that we should also discuss is just like mental health too, spiritual health, community health. All those things play very much into overall health and metabolic disease. We know that poor sleep promotes diabetes. We know that lack of community shortens people's lives. So I think that focusing on the number on the scale while it can be a metric that we use to help us is not what we should focus on. It really should be, do you feel good? We can have very thin patients or very fit looking patients that feel terrible and they don't sleep good and they have high anxiety. And, you know, so it's not just about physical appearance or a number on a scale. It really is about holistic wellness and having joy and happiness, feeling like you fall asleep easily, wake up with energy, have the energy to exercise and, and be physically active and and be there with your community and feel like you have that energy to do that. So yeah, much more. One of the things that we, you know, among our many epidemics, obesity, diabetes, we have a loneliness epidemic yes. because we've lost the connections that we used to have. And, and I think perhaps in northern New Mexico, maybe it's not as bad as other parts of the country because we grew up in a communal society yeah. here. Yeah. And we're used to having, you know, 21st Cousins and that kind of thing. But it's still different than when I was little, for sure. There's this author and professor at Yale. His name is Arthur C. Brooks, and he studies happiness. And he was saying that since the 1980s, American happiness has systematically gone down more and more. And the science suggests that it's because we're not together as often as we used to be. So we're emailing instead of calling. We're using AI instead of having real human interaction. We you know, we work remotely, and so we're Zooming instead of seeing people in person. And that's really where the science is showing us that we're seeing this drop-off in happiness. And the suicide rates nowadays are very high compared to what they were in the past. And so there's a lot of this, like, community health stuff going on that we should be addressing as yeah. well. And that's part of what the farm is about. So my practice is both a medical practice, but we bought this farm that we want to feed people and have community events. And I feel like I want it to be a community space where people feel free to stop by and see what's growing in the farm and check on our cows and just be out and about in the community and feel like they have a safe space to visit. So it's the Thrive Medical Practice and the Thrive Farm. Thrive Farms, yes. And where is it? We're located 32 miles north of Santa Fe in Chamita, New Mexico. So if you're driving, you know, between Santa Fe and Taos, we're pretty much kind of right in the middle, kind of across the street from the Okeo Wenge Pueblo and Casino. Okay. I used to live not far from you in Valley Estates in Espanola. Oh, once upon- yes. Yeah. That's right. You guys, you, you were my neighbor. Yep. It was a nice place, and it's beautiful country and great sky. Is that where you live as well? Yeah, so I live on the farm. I do see patients on the farm. It's a little rugged, but we see patients on the farm, and I do. we'll do house calls in Santa Fe, and then we do telehealth. But it's meant to be a community space, and it's meant to heal and feed and gather with our neighbors and our community so that we can uplift and help people feel the best that they can feel. So when I call you up and I make an appointment, mm-hmm. you know, 
I know when I go to the doctor, it's fairly, they're wonderful doctors. They, yeah. they give you time, but it's not that much time. Mm-hmm. What happens for a new patient at your practice? I feel like in order for me to really understand who you are, I need to know all aspects of it. So for a new patient, I will spend no less than two hours with you. Every once in a while, it goes over two hours. But for the most part, I spend two hours with you because not only do I want to know what's acutely bothering you, but I want to know how your sleep is, you know, what your social life is, what stressors you have. I want to know all about that because I feel like I can't really address all the issues if I don't understand what's going on in your life. Um, Follow-up appointments are also usually about an hour, and so I spend a lot of time with patients. We call frequently. We email frequently. We're very easy to get a hold of. Um, I have a medical assistant that helps me, and so it's very wonderful. So this is another community. So you've got the community of the farm where people are going to start gathering, mm-hmm. um, and then you're going to have a community of your patients, really, mm-hmm. so that they, they know you as a friend as well as your doctor. I want it to feel like the Norman Rockwell painting where your doctor is, is, is your community friend and you guys know each other on a more personal level and you commune with each other. Oh, I love that. And with that, we'll take a break. We'll be right back with Conversations Different after this message. Thanks, Inez. This is Patrick Dorsey, publisher of the Santa Fe New Mexican. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Conversations Different with Inez Russell Gomez. Great local content is only possible with a talented staff dedicated to bringing you the best local content possible. For that staff to do its work, we need your support by subscribing to the Santa Fe New Mexican. If you're already a subscriber, thank you. And if not, there's never been a better time to subscribe. In addition to our home-delivered newspaper that comes with full digital access, we also provide digital-only subscriptions for SantaFeNewMexican.com. We'll also be releasing more online-only audio and video programming moving forward. The Santa Fe New Mexican has been here for nearly 175 years, and we want to continue being your source for local news and information. Visit us at SantaFeNewMexican.com slash subscribe or call us at 505-986-3010. Thank you. It's a new day in New Mexico, and the doors to boundless opportunity are open as tens of thousands of New Mexicans reach higher to pursue a dream, broaden their horizons, and retrain for a better job. With the New Mexico Lottery and Opportunity Scholarships, you could build yourself a better future anywhere in the state. You put in the hard work, we'll help with the costs. For eligibility details, visit ReachHireNM.com. We are back once again with Dr. Melissa Gomez of Thrive Medicine and Thrive Farm. And um, I have to ask you, how long have you been practicing medicine this way? (laughs) That's kind of a tough question. I feel like I've kind of had a little side hustle where I'd pull a nurse aside from when I was working at the hospital and I'd go to her house and talk to her about nutrition and do a little you know, pulling out the things from her her shelf and being like, this isn't that healthy. Let's see if we could throw this away and replace it. So I feel like I've almost done it since I started my career, which I started, you know, full-time practicing medicine 
in 2010. So I've been, you know, practicing for about 14 years now. But when I, I started my practice about a year ago, I got my malpractice in August of 2022. And so it's been about a year and a few months that I've had the like new private practice here in northern New Mexico going. And I'm absolutely looking to take new patients on. And so I'd love to, you know, become more integrated into the community because nobody knew me when I got here. And so, you know, we're trying to we're trying to grow. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the chamber luncheon was great because there was, I don't know how many people. Yeah, that was wonderful. Yeah, it was. It did freak me out because no one had a mask on. And it was like that was a lot of people inside. Yeah. But I'm trying not to be too, uh, I'm co- I'm careful with COVID. You know, I always wear a mask to mask, those kinds of things. Because I think anytime you're inside breathing on people and they're singing, you know, the projectile of, of germs is, is not a great thing. But, uh, but remember, the- COVID has evolved a lot. Yep. So it's become much more like a common cold experience. It's not the scary COVID that we got, you know, when it first came. So your immune system should, you know, barring some severe immunodeficiency, should handle it really well. And, you know, when we, you know, like in China, when they have people so confined for so long, as soon as they let people out, they got every infection on the planet. Because there hadn't been, they hadn't been out and about circulating and getting exposed regularly. So our immune systems are great at handling that mm-hmm. as long as it's not like, you know, deadly. But, but we're good at like the common cold. So, so, so I think, you know. Yeah, the research, I guess, about repeat infections and long-term effects are a little scary for people I know with long COVID. I have a lot of friends with long COVID. Personally, I never got it yeah. that I know of anyway. Oh. Um, so... I've been really lucky and, and also careful, but I want to, everyone in our family lives into their 80s, knock on wood, mm-hmm. and it'd be nice to, to, to continue to that. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is, is you know, have good sense. It's, it's kind of like with your eating, you might have ice cream because that's fun, but you don't necessarily have ice cream for breakfast or yogurt for breakfast that has as much sugar as ice cream. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So everything in moderation, I never, ever want to tell patients you can never eat. There's not really, we don't make any foods like taboo or off limits. But, you know, what has happened is that things that used to be rare treats are suddenly things that we eat on the daily basis because we have access to it. And that's kind of where we're trying to push and say, let's do that like on a special occasion. So like for Christmas or Thanksgiving, do I want you guys to enjoy the traditional foods you've always enjoyed? Absolutely. But don't take home all the leftovers. And then like it extends into New Year's and then even after New Year's, there's still leftovers. So you're still kind of eating those high calorie or more processed foods that, you know, you really wanted to restrict to like special days. Yeah. Yeah. We had a friend when we lived in Taos who had moved here and he loved chicharron burritos. Mm. He discovered them (laughs) and he was so happy. And every day he would go to Mani's chow cart and get a chicharron burrito red. Mm. And he said, you know, I've been gaining weight. And my (laughs) husband said, remember, they only used to kill a pig once in a while. Yeah, This wasn't an everyday food. Yeah. You know, so it's the same kind of thing, even with traditional foods. It's some things you just aren't supposed to have except for a wedding or a confirmation or something. And then in the past, our traditional lifestyles required that we chopped wood, we baled hay, we shoveled manure, we carried water from the river up to our house. That physical activity really, you know, burned the extra calories that maybe we're not doing as much nowadays. So you know, the, the way that we ate in the past probably could tolerate a bit more calorie density because we were so physically active. Being on the farm has really showed me like farm work is very physically active. Yep. My and, husband and, lost a lot of weight when we first moved onto the farm. Oh, that's funny. And what I like is that the chickens uh, get up every day, even if you want to sleep late. Yep. So you better go feed them. I mean, it's it's a, it really gets you into a cycle of living that is not easy to put aside because you're watching TV or, or you want to take a nap or something. Yeah, you don't get the whole weekend off. <laughs> no. They still need to be fed and watered Saturday and Sunday. So you're still on, 
you know, you're still on the hook. Yep, that, that is totally true. So you have uh, what kind of animals at your farm? Right now we have horses and cows. Um, we're starting to grow our own little herd because we would like to harvest our own meat on the farm. So we plan on, we don't have the vegetable garden yet, but we have lots of fruit on the farm. We cut and bale hay, and then we have um, some cows, and then we have horses. Um, but we'd like to have more animals on there, too, and get to the point where maybe we're a little bit less dependent on the grocery store. And we have a better idea of how the animals were raised and how they were processed. And so that's kind of where we're trying to get to. But we're we're green as green can be. We've never been farmers so it's a very steep learning curve for us. Yeah, yeah. Le- even just learning to take care of chickens was enough to to, to kill me. <laughs> I was, and and the thing about growing food is you never know what happens when it gets rot in the middle of the summer. You know, our tomatoes got some kind of weird deal where they were red, and then at the top there was like this moldy, gross thing. And I was like, well, I guess I won't be eating these. <laughs> you know, so I'm lucky. I always say grocery stores were made for farmers like me. <laughs> well, I definitely think it's good to have like that diversity too. Like what we see a lot is farms that are just like kind of monocropping. And then when they do get something like a disease, they're so susceptible. But you want to encourage that diversity. So we're hoping to have a lot of diverse things so that if the tomato crop doesn't make it, the other things will to, to fill in the void. That's right. And you can always, you know, squash beans and corn. Mm-hmm. Those are the traditional foods. Of- the three sisters? Yep. Three yeah. sisters. Yeah, they told uh, one of my relatives on my husband's side, you know, you can't have corn. And he's like, I'm an Indian. What am I going to (laughs) do? You know, so maybe you don't have GMO grown corn. Right. You have an old grain. Our ancient corn was very small. You know, the size portions, the kernels were not what we see today at the grocery store. So we look at food now, but it's very different than what our ancestors were eating. And it's been genetically modified too to grow that big or taste that way. So if you're starting out and you want to have a better year and a better life long term, what should people do without putting the burden of all these resolutions and then feeling like a failure in January when they have a hot fudge Sunday? So again, just going back to those simple things. So try to be in bed eight hours so that you can get your seven to nine hours total. Try to say no to the processed foods as often as you can. Probably one of the greatest things you could say no to is sugar-sweetened beverages because we get so many empty calories from that. It doesn't create satiety, and so it doesn't really trigger our brain to not want to eat more calories. So, But, you know, in any type of processed foods, and then just move your body every day. It's wonderful if you can move your body every day out in some sunlight because sun exposure, vitamin D, Allowing sunlight to get to your retina to set your circadian rhythm are very important things for our health and wellness, and we we may be spending too much time indoors. Yeah, I, I know I do because that's where you can read books. <laughs> I, I used to walk and read because you can do that with a phone, and then I kept falling, and I said, oh. maybe I won't do that anymore. Audiobook. You just go to the audiobook so that you can listen and get your reading in, but you don't have to. That's right. I, yeah, I've st- I got I got headphones finally, and I listen to podcasts that are that are very informative and his, and you learn. Yes, yep. podcasts are amazing. And I, I haven't had a lot of mentors that I know in person on this journey to switch my career from where, how I was more traditionally taught, but I have had a lot of podcast mentors that have really helped me reshape how, how I do my medical practice and also as an entrepreneur. So it's, I love podcasts. Yeah, I have to agree. And on that note, this has been Conversations Different. You will find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you. We'll be back next week.